Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. Today's episode of the A-Game Podcast is brought to you by Naked Warrior Recovery CBD. Naked Warrior Recovery CBD is a Navy SEAL-owned CBD company owned by William Brannon, who is in Hawaii right now, living it up. But you can follow him on all social media platforms. You can also go to www.nicknicknick.com slash links. When you go on that site under the affiliates link, you will see get your Naked Warrior Recovery discounted CBD. Click on that. It will take you to their page as an affiliate link. If you type in promo code, a game when you go to check out on that site for any of their products whether it's shirts whether it's topicals whether it's drops whether it's gummies anything that you can use to help with your uh, digestive tract with your anxiety with your sleep with your stress with your inflammation is the biggest thing for me try it for 30 60 days get 20 percent off you will see that it absolutely works miracles for your body for your inflammation for your moods it's done great things for me. So check it out, www.nicknicknick.com slash links under the affiliates. You can also go on www.nicknicknick.com. If you guys are interested in starting to get involved in real estate investments, we got a bunch of stuff that's closing out this week. We're going to be picking up some new stuff. Um, I'm always coming across opportunities. If you're looking to partner on deals, if you have deals that you would like to sell us, if you have properties that you'd like to buy from us, maybe you want to buy an apartment building from me. Maybe you want to buy some cash or rental properties from me, some fix and flips from me, or you need some assistance with your loans, whatever it is that you're looking for, reach out. Let's try and find a way to get you started, whether you're a beginner intermediate or advanced we have big small all kinds of different deals all shapes and sizes so um let's link up let's make the end of 2020 good and start our 2021 strong so i'm going to go a uh go in today to do a, a little bit of a a backtrack of the episode that you guys heard on monday with marlon suarez marlon was one of my first real estate mentors um he he was working for a real estate company when i was just coming in as an agent so i had already done some investment stuff but i decided that at that point um, things were shifting in the market. It was a little bit of a tough time. And I was like, you know, I got my real estate license in New York City. And I, you guys, you might have heard in the in the episode, you know, what most people think is, oh, if I get a real estate license in New York City, I'm going to go in, I'll, I'll get some listings, I'll make some, some, some fees on them, I'll get some good commissions, and I'll kill it with the price points in New York City real estate. And you go in with this million dollar dreams, million dollar listing impression in your head of that you're going to go in and you're not really going to have to work that hard. And everybody always asks me, hey, should I get my license? You know, I got a bunch of friends and family. They're looking for properties. They're going to want to getting them from me. And the reality is you, you don't realize what a grind it is starting out. So I did want to touch on a bunch of things we went over in that episode and reflect on some things that I've learned over the years on the investment side, on the realtor side, just all over. And of course, I'll touch on jujitsu, but one of the first ones is I do want to talk about being an agent. So the pros and cons of being a real estate agent, strictly from the investor side. So on the investor side of it, you know, if you're somebody who's just saying, you know what, I, I looking to do something else part-time or I need something to get me going or just need to get my foot in the door. I need some income. 
Sure. You know, get your real estate license. There's a lot of people that are real estate agents or real estate brokers that make a ton of money. You know, you got Rage Now. Um, a lot of my investor friends too, they have it for a number of different reasons. So this is not the conversation for somebody who's not really looking to be an entrepreneur or become a real estate investor in the next six months. This is somebody who might be looking to make ends meet. It's a totally different conversation than if you want to get your real estate license. So now, if you are the person who's on our side of it, that's looking to you know, get your foot wet in real estate and you're trying to figure out what's the best path for me. Do I want to be an investor first or do I want to be a realtor first? You know, my, my advice is always going to be the investment side of stuff. So starting out, you know, if you were looking to supplement that, I definitely can see some pros and cons to it, but I don't want to see people really go and get their license first because they see that it tends to put off getting into the investment side. So sometimes if you're using it as a procrastination tool, I don't agree with it at all. So jumping in, let's say you are getting involved in real estate investments. Maybe you even have some investments going, you know, the pros and cons again are, are sometimes there's some quick money in it, but the reality of it is what most people don't see. And I've seen people from the ages of 18 up to 65, they go, oh, I'm going to get my license. And they don't realize that starting out, a lot of the times you have to go in, you have to take a, a course, pay for books, pay for testing, sometimes pay for, for tutoring. If you fail the test, sometimes those tests aren't that easy. I know a lot about real estate. A lot of this stuff is not general things that you would know. There's a lot of particulars in there and I'm sure it depends on state by state, but they're not a lot of common sense things. And sometimes they have tricky questions in there. You know, I was lucky enough to pass both of mine, both, um, both times on the first try, but I know a lot of people that have not, and I wouldn't have been shocked if I didn't, when he gave me the passing store, I wasn't really sure how I did. So you know, and a lot of that stuff, you never use it again anyway. It's it's almost like junior high school stuff, but you do have to study for it. You do have to pass it. And sometimes those fees can add up to hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, $2,000, depending on where you are, what you need, how fast you want to get it. It could take time. If you're doing it in person, you're doing a class once a week. Obviously, there's more online options now. Um, and then, you know, you got to pay fees. So then you got to pay for your your licensing fee, you got to pay for MLS access in a lot of these areas. Sometimes there's one or two different boards that you have to pay for. So you're paying for, um, you know, a local or a county or a state or whatever it may be. And there could be an extra three, four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars a quarter that you're forking off. And now, especially if you're in a very competitive market, the ones that everybody drools over, like the LA's and the New York's. I remember specifically in New York, I needed money at the time, and I was like, man, what, what do I do? So I started going out and trying to just find ways to make quick money. So I was talking to everybody and I didn't realize that in New York, you have to pay for your Craigslist ads. I don't know if you still do, but you did at the time. So it wasn't even like you could just go see properties. They call it previewing and go post things. So I was walking all over the city and, you know, dress pants and uh, dress shirt and jeans and hot as a hell, sweating my ass off, walking all over. I remember I would walk from like 125th street on the upper West side, all the way back down to Soho, just looking at properties along the way, walking around with all these keys. You're walking into apartments that people say are for rent, but they're really not. You're taking people there to go see them. The keys don't really work. You're walking in apartments. People are living in there. They're naked. They're sleeping. They're pissed at you. You're walking in. You never know what you're walking into. You're dripping sweat. You're, you're, you're trying to find out where you're going. If you're on the subways, you don't get service on there. You're trying to learn your way around. Then you get off, the person left, they're not showing up. Like it was such a nightmare. It was such a long, long process. And then there was weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months and months where, especially in places like New York City, you're coming out, you're under a team. So you get a guy like Marlon for the first whatever many deals, 
that person who's your team lead is going to get half of all your commissions. And then if you're a broker, I'm sorry, if you're an agent under a broker, a lot of the time you're giving half of that to the broker. So as a new agent, you're giving away 50% of your commission to the house. And then if you're in a competitive market where you have a team, you're giving 50% of your commission away to your team lead. So now you're down to making what, like a quarter, a third, and now you have all these expenses. So sometimes you can borrow that from your broker, but you pay it back after your first deal. So now maybe you close your first deal. If it's a sale, you might not get that check for 30, 60, 90 days. If it's a rental, sometimes they have to move in there for a little while first. Um, sometimes it's a broker fee. Um, you know, sometimes you're getting it, sometimes you're not. Deals fall out all the time. You know, it, it takes time to get that. So a lot of the times when you close your first deal, you're actually cutting a check. You're trying to just catch up for all the expenses that went out there. And, you know, you start to see that the reason realtors get sometimes a bad rep as a car salesman type person is because there's a lot of bad ones out there. They're posting these ridiculous things in your market. They're paying for their Craigslist ads, showing fake apartments, beautiful pictures with doors uh, that are, uh, you know, over views or amazing amenities or really nice apartments or, you know, floor to ceiling windows. And they're, they're advertising them for crappy prices in areas that they're not really there. And then somebody else that doesn't know any better is going, look, you're taking me around. You're showing me these apartments to buy or rent, but these don't comp to, to these other ones. Like I can get this for the same price. I'm like, that's not real. That's not a real apartment. You can't get anything like that anywhere near that. That person just put that out so it looks better. And you call them and then they're going to bait and switch you. And then they think that you're the one who's feeding them a lot of shit and you're going to bait and switch them. And there's just a lot of distrust. It's a really hard business, but. The plus side of it is, as I wanted to go into the next thing is, if you can stick it out, there's a lot of money to be made. I mean, look at Marlon. He's talking about when he was a team lead. I was watching because, you know, there's maybe eight, 10 people every month coming through under him as a team. So if they're going, they're doing nothing cool. But if half of them, even if one or two of them every month are going and closing deals and he's hanging out, going to jujitsu and running his team, that might be a really great revenue source that you're making half of everybody else's commissions or whatever it is for three, four, five people every month, you know, if those people become rock stars and close out five deals in a month or whatever it is, you start to make some good income there. So sticking it out and you, you have to prospect, you're going to have to go out there, let people know what you're doing. You're going to have to eat dirt a little bit. You know, I don't know anybody who went in and just took a buyer's list starting out and, you know, they had to earn that. They had to, to grind. They had to network. They had to send emails. They had to do follow-ups. They had to put the work in. You know, I was literally nights, weekends, holidays, whenever I could, I was going to that office going down to Soho, getting as many keys as I can so I can learn the city, so I could learn what is it, what are these apartments going to be? What type of price point I want to look at? Okay, what's a $2,000 studio look like? What's a, a $23,000 one bedroom look like? What's a high rise look like? What's a low mid rise look like? What's the east side look like? What's the west side look like? What's uptown? What's downtown? Like, what can people expect? What's out there? What's the best thing out there? Where can I bring people if they call in these different areas? What's comparable for these areas? You know, and who, who's paying broker fees? Who's not paying broker fees? Like, what's convenient to get around? And there's a lot of things you want to learn. And I think no matter what market you're in, that's a really good thing is to learn your market and figure out what is it that you're doing you know if you're an actor if you're a musician if you're a real estate investor if you're a ufc fighter if you're a jiu-jitsu guy what moves are people submitting people with what fights are, are going to decisions what fights are going to finish where most of them standing or most of them on the ground who's the guys you're fighting and what divisions you know um you know, is, is there a lot of triangle chokes? You're going to have to escape these. Are people doing a lot of heel hooks now in these jujitsu tournaments? What are their legal rules? How do they change? What are people getting? Who's winning these tournaments? What are they doing? Where are they training? What's their cardio like? What's those time limits like? And, you know, just again, setting those KPIs, setting those metrics and knowing your product, knowing your market, knowing your clients is going to help you start to become an expert on that. And that doesn't happen overnight. You know, Gordon Ryan's don't call Marlon 
day one of getting his real estate license and trust him to go find a house. But when you put the time and you stick it out and you gain that knowledge and you gain that experience, even if like he said, you suck at it at first, which he did, I did, I sucked at jujitsu at first. He did, I did, people probably tell you I still do, but eventually you get a black belt. And that's the same thing with anything. A white belt, is, I'm sorry, a black belt is just a white belt who didn't quit. Anytime you're starting out anything new, it's going to be hard. You're going to have insecurities. You're going to have frustrations. It's just, it's just different. And whatever job you're doing now, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a new mom, a new dad, whether you're playing the guitar, playing drums, playing an instrument, I always say the same thing. It's about the consistency. If you do anything consistently enough and you don't quit, you will become better at it. And you don't have that happen overnight, but a little bit every day, every single day, you're, you're learning a little bit more, you're doing a little bit more, you're learning a little bit more, you're doing a little bit more. By the end of six months, 12 months, 18 months, two years, you're playing songs, you're speaking Italian now. It wasn't, it wasn't easy at first. You didn't know the languages, you didn't know the accents, you didn't know how to sound out those words, you know how to read it. Now you're telling stories in Italian, you're playing the guitar, you're playing the violin, you're selling houses, you're, you're, you're locking in contracts, you're roping in private money, you're doing all these different things. And that happens from just going through the motions and then people start to see you grow. They start to see you stick with it. Oh, you've been doing that a long time now, right? Oh yeah, so the guy, I know him, he just started out. And you start to again, become the authority to attract those people out there. So when you do push through anything, it's worth it. The juice, it's just, is the juice worth the squeeze for you? And that's what comes to our next part is, you know, he, he made a, a really good quote that I'm gonna put out today. You have to have a sense of urgency and a need to be successful. And I, again, I think complacency is one of the worst things you could possibly have. And when you're talking about stuff like that, it's very true. So I like that he put his back against the wall and put himself in a bad position where he said he locked up his, um, his funds. So that way he had some pressure because a lot of the time, if you're complacent and you have money and there's not really any pain, you're not going to make any changes. And when things get hard, you're going to quit. So, all right, you know what? I speak English really well. I'm not planning to go uh, to Italy or do anything anytime soon. It's very easy for me to not study for Italian, to not pick up the Rosetta Stone, to not look at my Italian app. I don't care. But if I know I'm going to get dropped in Italy in a month, no matter what, maybe I'm in the military or whatever happened, I'm, I can get relocated there for a job. I know no Italian and I have to be fluent in it in 30 days. There's urgency there. There's discomfort there. I'm going to be studying breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm going to bust my ass. And I'm a person who works like that under, under pressure, under timelines, okay? I have trouble with procrastination. So I'll do nothing, nothing, nothing until it's due. And then I'll crank it out in, in a couple hours. And I sometimes tend to get better results by that. So I've, I mean, again, I'm always working on that. Maybe that's the feast or famine of somebody who's into athletics, jujitsu, martial arts, real estate, entrepreneurship. I think a lot of us are like that. But um, that piece of really not letting yourself get comfortable because I've said this a few times, but a guy like Mark Evans who's worth millions always says, we're all just one deal away from being broke again. You know, as the stakes go higher, you're putting out more money. You're taking more risk. The losses could be bigger. The wins could be bigger, but what happens if everything goes South and all of a sudden you're going, man, now, now I, I lost those deals. I don't have any money. I don't have any clients. I don't have any prospects. I don't have anything to show. I don't have any fights lined up, whatever it is. These are all things that you need to be every single day. They say that prospecting is like showering. You need to do it every day. Success is like showering. You know, it's every month you have to be doing it. And the, the rent's due every single month on success. All those cliche things are true. You can't take your foot off the gas because you never know when it's going to go away. And that's, again, how you start to build up momentum. And then you stop getting bummed out by one deal falling through or not getting one job or losing one tournament or getting tapped out and whatever, you know, whatever the thing it is that you're doing, you know, yeah. 
you didn't get that acting job, all of those different things. When you have more going on, you have other things that are in the pipeline. It becomes easier and easier to not get hung up on little things. So again, stick it out. Don't quit. But the other part is finding good um, mentors and being a good mentee. So one of the things he said was that not all instruction is created equal. I a thousand percent agree with this. And this is a big thing because he mentioned when you're coming out of, of school for a real estate exam, you're getting bombed with all these postcards and flyers and stuff or come work for Century 21, come work for Mark David, come work for Ball, come work for Corcoran, come work for, you know, Home Smart, whatever it is. Shout out to Raging Ally, Quinta and Home Smart. But which is the right one for you? You know, and that's something that you get overwhelmed with quick and you're looking, you go, who's going to give what? What are the commissions? But, you know, my advice is if you're trying to figure out what to go with, who to work with in that situation, no matter what it is, if you're trying to pick a team to go train with in art and athletics, in real estate and business, find a mentor or a team that fits your vibe, but find out what you need. You know, I give the example of I'm not great on the phone. I don't do well with constantly getting on phone calls, especially when I'm picking up calls that could have been an easy text message or an easy email that I could have just responded to. And now I'm constantly stuck on 15, 20 minute phone calls with you that most of the time we're not talking about anything related to what you called about. And now I'm losing hours of my day that are really needed back or you're interrupting the momentum of me getting other stuff done. So I need to look for team members and mentors that can work with me on an email or a text message basis. If they need to be on the phone all the time, now schedule calls once a week, twice a week, once a different story. But like on a daily basis, I need to be able to fire off text messages and fire off emails because that's how I work best. That's what I need. And I need explanations on why am I doing certain things? I don't do well when somebody says, do this just to do it. As you heard, I had a, a bad experience with one of the guys that was one of my first coaches over there but looking back, it wasn't all his fault. You know, I was a lot to be blamed there too. And that was something that I learned, which I'm going to talk about next about being a good mentee. So, you know, you have to be able to communicate on that. And, you know, it's just my own thing. Some of you do just do this because I say, okay, I, I respect authority. I work better just being told what to do. I need to understand why I'm doing stuff. What's the good and the bad? What are the trials and tribulations? Do you have a good reason or a good story you can tell me about, Hey, I did this. And when I did this, it turned into X, Y, and Z. Cause to me, that's one of the biggest benefits of having a good mentor and whatever you do is that they have learned from doing things the wrong way. They have taken the bumps, the bruises, the beatings, they have, they have failed. They have, they have tried the things that you're probably going to want to try over the next six to 12 months. And they can tell you 99% of these things they already did. They don't work. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your money. Do this. And then when they do that, now you start to go, okay, you just saved me six, 12 months of thousands of dollars I don't have to spend, hours and hours and hours I don't have to waste, and a bunch of lessons I don't have to learn because you learned them already. So explain to me some lessons you learned. Don't tell me you don't talk at the closing table or you don't, uh, you know, you don't go out with those people because I said you don't go out with those people or you don't post that ad because I said you don't post that ad. Now explain to me what am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? Because you're not helping me if you don't tell me what I need to do and how I need to learn because then I don't really know. I'm just, I'm, I'm like a kid. I know not to touch the outlet, but I don't really know why. I don't really know the mechanics behind it. And if I want to grow, if I want to gain my knowledge base, if I want to become an expert in my field, I not only need to be told what to do and what to not to do, but I need personally for me to understand why I'm doing or not doing those things. You know, like simple stuff like in jujitsu, when somebody goes, all right, I'm grabbing both elbows when I'm in, in, um, in judo. Why? Because if he can get his elbows to the floor, he can post up and he can start to retain guard or he can do some sort of escape or he can pull out. Okay, now I understand like, the control and that now 
goes out into other things that I can take that same principle and pull that into different moves of jujitsu and learn ways to control people better and hold people up. So I'm not getting swept as much. Maybe that was an easy thing. Oh, you know what guys are getting back on top or they're getting out from underneath me because I'm not doing basic things like controlling where they can base out again. Little things that now click with you and stick with you because of an actual lesson. You know, I, I learn well with stories. Some people don't, they just need the facts, but I like to hear, Hey, here's why you do or don't do this. And Here's an example of a couple of stories of why and how and like, okay, those are the things that stick with me that I remember. Like, again, not to go on a tangent of it, but Italian, I remember one of my best Italian teachers, one of the only years, pretty much everything I remember, I took it for maybe six or seven years. The only thing I remember is really all from one year from one teacher because the way she taught, the way she taught stuck with me. She would say things like, um, you know, pulire is to pull. So I want you guys to remember it like you pull a vacuum. So, you know, ERA is two, pull is the pulito is clean. So she's like, you know, you're cleaning, you're vacuuming, you're pulling the vacuum. So it's things like that, dumb things that I go, okay, I remember that. You know, there was Mandara was to send. And she was like, okay, well, there's a student, John, and there's a Mandy's right next to the school. So just think of it when you're saying Mandara, it means you're sending John to Mandy's. And like, to this day, that was seventh grade. Now I'm going to be 40. And I still remember specifically those little examples of this word with this association for that story. Now I know that's a good mentor. Now, I'm sure other people in that room went, man, I can't stand her stupid analogies and her little stories. Just get to the point. That's not a great mentor for you. But are you being a good mentee? So that's another thing I want to talk out next is not all instruction is created equal. Figure out what do you actually need and find mentors that actually care about you learning and they know how to adapt to your learning style. So again, just because somebody's good at something doesn't mean they're good at teaching something. So when finding the right mentors and being a good mentee, which I think is more of what we're going to talk about now for the rest of the time here, but surrounding yourself with good team members, surrounding yourself with good people is always key. But is it somebody who's just going through the motions and they're just giving you the answers or do they actually care that you are going to learn? And that's a big thing I've seen over the years. And I even have some friends that are mentors. And, you know, one specifically I've been dealing with on some deals now, and some of his students are actually calling me and other people that he works with are calling me all within the same week or two going, what's up with this guy? He doesn't really call back. He's not really reliable. He's hot and cold. He doesn't really give me the answers. He just tells me what to do and barks orders at me. I don't understand why I'm doing stuff. He's not patient with me. That's not a member, a mentor right now who cares about you understanding. That's just them wanting to go through the motions, get you off the phone, tell themselves they did their part, but they're really don't. And that's okay. Mentors are people too. And sometimes they go through tough times emotionally, financially, family stuff is going on. Everybody's not always in the mood to give their best. And sometimes people do get caught up in their personal stuff, but that's why it all goes back to communication. You know, sometimes you got to be able to cut that off or, you know, maybe you call somebody else that you're in a team with, Hey man, I'm, I'm going through some stuff. Can you do me a favor? I know you're good with your students. Can you maybe take a couple calls? Here's the situation. Or, you know, maybe you can answer this better. I don't know, just do something, record something when you're feeling better. Hey man, I can't get on right now, but I promise you over the next day or two, I'll record a Zoom and I'll answer your questions and I'll do an update. We can go from there. So you can kind of time it when you're feeling better. So don't beat yourself up if sometimes you're not as a mentor or even as a mentee in the mood to do it. It's normal. It's part of business. It's part of life, but you work around it. So to me, I have to, I have to really think that somebody cares. And even, you know, doctors, we were, we were, we're dealing with some stuff over here that we're going to different doctors um, for some family stuff. And one of the doctors literally just gets you in, tries to write your prescription and get you out. And we tried to talk to him and say, hey, you know, what about this medicine? What about that medicine? Could this be, oh, 
when did you go to your medical school? I didn't know that you have your degree. Uh, Telling me what to do. In my experience, if you have somebody who's an authority and they're getting defensive or insulting or dismissive when you're asking them important questions that are important to you as the client, as the patient, as the student, as the mentee, and they're blowing you off and being disrespectful about it, that's a red flag to me. You know, somebody that is really a good teacher and is confident in their information and what they're doing and believes that they're doing the right thing, they're going to be okay asking those, answering those questions. And if they don't know, you know, there's nothing wrong with that either from both sides. Anybody listen to this as a mentor or as a student, you know what, I'm not the best at that, but I can find out. I don't want to give you the wrong answer. I would much rather appreciate one of my coaches saying that to me of, hey, you know what? I don't have the exact answer for this right now, but I don't want to steal your wrong. I think it's this, but let me just double check. Let me check with an attorney or let me link you up with an attorney or a CPA or an appraisal guy or an SEC guy or whatever it is, you know, a foundation specialist. That's kind of what we do is you have to understand that you can't be great at everything. And that's why we surround ourselves with teams of people so you can all collaborate and grow together, the whole rising tides portion of that. So as far as being a good mentee, you have to be teachable. You have to be teachable and you have to communicate. So part of that too is if you're a student, my problem with when I had that problem with that coach was that I didn't explain to him what I needed. So when he was telling me just do this, just do that, and we were butting heads, it was because I didn't know how to communicate that I wasn't understanding the way he was coaching me. I needed him to coach me different so I could understand it different. And I was getting frustrated, but I wasn't mature enough to, to have that conversation. It was just more of an ego thing. And you start to butt heads. And again, when you have two in that situation, two alpha, a type personalities, you know, they're both butting heads every, well, I did this because I want to, well, I, I told you not to, well, too bad. You know, if, if I'm only supposed to do this because you said so, I'm absolutely not going to do it just because you said so. It doesn't make a good work environment. And, you know, we both could have done that better, but I take responsibility for that. So make sure when you're coming in, you're teachable. And I have this a lot. There's a lot of students that I take on and they have preconceived notions because they own their house and they did a certain thing when they did their own repairs over there, whether they were wrong or right, or they did one house 20, 30 years ago, they watch each one YouTube video or they heard from somebody or a realtor just took off the course and now they're, they're taking things out of the real estate book and they're hiring me for guidance on stuff that I'm an expert at and they're trying to act like they know better when they don't. They're not teachable at all. Oh, this is how I do it. Okay, did you pay me to for you to tell me how you do stuff? Or do you want to learn? Because I'm, I've done a lot more than you in this business or else you wouldn't be hiring me. There's something you believe that I had credibility for. Same thing with jujitsu, you know, any of those coaches. Uh, the guys I've selected, I, I have good connections with. I like the way they teach. I like the way they train. I like the way they talk to me. I like the way they teach me. And sometimes it's a lot different, you know. Um, like Mark Turner, I remember I was training with him and Pete Ayakavazzi from uh, uh, Atos headquarters out there in San Diego. And he was telling Mark, like, you know, Nick likes when you come in and beat the shit out of him. That's just kind of, don't worry about going easy. You know, come in, give him hell, give him a good workout, give him a good training, and then show him after what you did and how you beat his ass and where he where he messed up. And that's what I like is, you know, come in, you know, pull those moves off of me, choke me out, beat me up, you know, whatever it is. And then I get to see, okay, you know, this is realistically you don't have to tell me why I'm doing things wrong because I feel it. I'm getting submitted when I do that stuff. I'm in a terrible position. I can't get that pressure off. You get your knee in my belly. Like I'm learning from those negative consequences in jujitsu. And I've always made the joke that in real estate, if every time I made a wrong phone call 
or did a deal wrong or did some bad negotiations, somebody choked me or punched me in the face like they do with boxing or jujitsu, my learning curve would be a lot faster. But sometimes you don't have those negative consequences. And what I don't want to do is have somebody have their ego get in the way, try and get into the real estate game, not listen to their coaches, not listen to good instruction, and then lose 30, 40, 50 grand on a deal. And now that's their knee and belly. That's their choke. That's their punch in the face. And you can't come back from that, you know? Bell rings, I tap out. Three minutes later, we're back. I don't make the same mistake. I learn from those mistakes every single round, every single day between good training partners and good instructors and me being open to, I know I'm not the best in the room. I know I'm not the worst in the room. I do some things well, but I have a lot to learn. That's why I'm paying you to come meet me at six o'clock in the morning, train with me, and then tell me what the hell I could do be, do be doing better. What am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? What needs to be tweaked? What needs to be adjusted? So I can learn from those things from somebody whose opinions I trust, from somebody who's explaining things to me that I know it's for my own good. And you have to have that confidence. You have to have that relationship. And your trainers probably get to have that in themselves too. So be teachable, communicate on what you need. So it's another thing that I would go around and I would take private sometimes and they'd be showing me things and I'd leave there and People would ask me, what'd you learn? I'd be like, oh, you know, nothing I could really use, nothing that really helps me. And then I think back and I go, well, I literally walked in and the guy said, what do you want to work on? And I went, I don't care. I need help everywhere. And he went, all right, well, we're going to work on, you know, triangles today. And I'm like, all right, I got the legs of a four-year-old fat baby, you know, like how oh, triangles is not my thing, but I didn't speak up, you know, so I needed to learn how do I become a better student? And that's by, I know the way I learn better. So I'd walk in and I would tell them, look, if it's cool with you, what I'd like to do is I'd like to roll for, you know, 20, 30 minutes and you'll get to see what I'm trying to accomplish, how I roll, how I move, what my game's like. And then we can stop and you can from there see what I need help on, where you think my strong suits are, where you think my weaknesses are, where my technical stuff could be better, where I'm just totally lost and, and suck and should probably get demoted. And I learned so much better like that. And they learned what I was looking for better than that. And it was apical. And I took little pieces from actual live training sessions every time. And that stuff starts to stick with me. So that's how I learned better was by doing. I'm one of those people who learns better by doing. So if we can do whatever we're talking about for a little bit together, and then you can instruct me as we're doing it, that's going to stick for me. Other people, they can read a book, they can watch a YouTube video, they can can get a text message or, or whatever, read a book and they got that stuff down. That's not me. So know what you want, know how you communicate. Um, be teachable. Um, do your part, stick it out and have good habits. So the other thing was habits, morning routines. I love that Marlon talked about his morning routines. So, you know, you have to pick your lifestyle and reverse engineer it is what he said. So whatever it is that you pick yourself doing, you really should be thinking about, I want X amount of houses. I want X amount of cash flow. I want X amount of free time. I want a boat. I want a house. I want a vacation. Or I just want to be able to sit home and work on real estate all day. And then you start to figure out, what do I need to do to do that? How much time is that going to take? How much effort is that going to take? How much money am I going to need? And then start to cut that down to monthly, weekly, and daily tasks. So then you have to take the that, okay, I got my vision board. I got my accountability in here. I got my game plan for the next 6, 9, 12, 18, 24 months. But I have to do something with it. And again, the most successful people I know, they have routines, especially morning routines of getting up early because everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. I've been using this new app, which makes me want to hug and punch Nick Burton in the face called Alarmy, A-L-A-R-M-Y. And when it goes off, you literally set tasks for what it has to do to shut off so you can't keep hitting the snooze button. So the one that I haven't set for is I have to take 45 steps 
the alarm will not shut off until I take 45 steps. So when it goes off and I keep trying to hit the snooze button and it tells me to keep eating shit, nope, 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 nope. I go, all right, I got to get up and I got to walk. And it literally is going, stand up, stand up, stand up. So I'll get up and I'll have to take 45 good steps around. And I tried to shake the phone and make it think I was walking and it said no cheating and restarted it. Like it's pretty crazy. But after you've gone through all that and you've fought with the phone and you've tried to trick the phone, you've tried to outsmart the phone, you've tried to throw the phone, you've tried to shut off the phone. At some point you go, look, the only thing I can do now is my part. The only thing I can do now is take those 45 steps. And once you do that, and now it says great job, now I'm up. My brain's going, my body's going, and I'm like, all right, it's go time. I'm not going back to bed now. 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm getting up, and by the time the sun comes out at 8 a.m., I have three, three and a half hours of good, solid work in, in, in the books. They're logged, you know, and you figure out what do you do now? Maybe that's your exercise time to get your, your exercise in there. Maybe that's your quiet time because your kids are asleep. Maybe that's your meditation time. Maybe that's your work time. You know, and I split that up. I've been playing back and forth with waking up early, getting all my exercise in or waking up early, doing work first, then going to exercise. Or if I'm in New York, I wake up, I do work, then I eat, then I go back, I eat some more, then I get some more pizza. Hasn't been good here. I got to get back to exercising. But either way, you create that morning routine and you get up early and you make it happen. You take accountability. And I love what Marlon said. He gets up, he does his jujitsu, does his training, gets his stuff for the day. And then like clockwork from nine to 11. Now he's calling, he's calling his prospects. He's following up on his deals. So there's batching that you can pick specific things from specific times. There's block timing that you can write out your entire day from eight to 10. I'm doing this from 10 to 12. I'm doing this from 12 to one. I'm doing this from one to two. I'm doing a break. And then there's extra things you can do too. Like setting time for 50 minutes. Okay. For 50 minutes straight, I'm going to sit and I'm going to work. And then 10 minutes, take a break, do push-ups, pet the dog, go for a run, eat a sandwich, drink water, check email, play on social media. 10 minute timer goes off back on for for 50 minutes straight, five zero. So all just little things to do to help you stay accountable. And then once you've done it enough times, you're going to start to get your routine set. And again, as much as going back to sleep sometimes feels great. It never helps me with my day. Every time I fight that urge and I get up early and I do my part, and I knock things out, I always have a better day. And now if something happens, my brother shows up, we need to work on my parents' backyard, I want to go to jujitsu, or just something else happens in life or in business that I need to focus on, I don't have to pull away. I already got three three hours done. I already started doing things. I sent my email, I plugged my social media for the day, all that stuff's ready to go out. I recorded the podcast, all these different things. It all starts to make a difference. So the last part is surrounding yourself with, with uh, all-stars, as we talked about. So being a good student is also finding a team of people of other peers, like these masterminds that I'm in or, you know, jujitsu, it's, it's amazing. The people that I can rattle off that I have personally trained with and rolled with from, you know, Matt, Sarah, Ray Longo, Chris Wyman, Ally Quinta, Aljamain Sterling, Pete Sell, uh, JT Torres. Um, I've taken classes with Henzo Gracie, with John Danaher. Um, you know, I've trained with uh, Alex Stewart, Billy Grazzi, Hiron Gracie, Henner Gracie, uh, Kurt Osiander, uh, Calterra. I mean, uh, I could, I could go on, on. Ruben Rivera, amazing black belts at 10th planet, jiu-jitsu champions, MMA champions, uh, Eric Paulson, so many different people. I've had the, you know, Muhammad Ali out in Baltimore, um, Surge over at uh, Ivan Salivary's place. I, I've, I've traveled all over the country training. And when I get to sit down sometimes, some of my buddies will talk about it and we'll be able to come in early and do something like roll with Matt Sarah. And if you're not a jiu-jitsu person, you don't know, but he, he's a jiu-jitsu legend. So when you sit there and you go, man, I'm so lucky 
and the the analogy he gave I thought was so great. He said, you know, it's like being a musician. And on the weekends, you get to jam with Jimi Hendrix. I was like, man, that's literally what we get to do. And Marlon touched on that, that he gets to train with part of the Danaher Dead Squad. And he worked his ass off to get himself into a point that he could do his part, be in shape, answer the call when they called. And he found his moment that he was ready. And he seized that opportunity and got in there and created that angle for himself. And now we have a need. This is how you get your in with them. And now once you're in there, and you're training as part of that down here death squad with those elite killers. You got to earn your spot. You got to do your part. It's not just about you. It's about contributing to the whole, contributing to the team, elevating, bringing value. That's what everything is in life. If you can find ways to do your part, hold yourself accountable and bring value to your groups and to your mentors and be a good student and a good mentee and a good mentor, great things are going to happen. And that, that pretty much sums it all up. But, you know, he's training with John Danaher, Enzo Gracie, Gordon Ryan, Nikki Ryan, Nikki Rod, Craig Jones. I mean, they had Eddie Cummings down there, Jason Rao, um, you know, Nick Ronan. There's uh, Silver Fox. There's just so many amazing guys that come in and train there. I'm sure he trains with GSP and all these other guys, but, you know, he got there by earning it. And he started out by a shitty white belt who probably got tapped out all the time, didn't know when to hold his breath, had no cardio, was overweight, and then turned into a world-class black belt, just like he came into real estate, sucked at real estate, worked his ass off, stuck it out, was teachable, was a good mentee, found good teams, found good mentors, and wound up sticking it out, putting his time and doing his part and coming up through teens, tracking his, his work, tracking his metrics, tracking his statistics, and pulling it out until he became successful. So that is absolutely no different than what we're doing now. Um, on all these things. So I know I rambled a little bit, but hopefully that started to help um, fire you up a little bit, inspire you a little bit. Alex M. Rudin, thank you for sending me such nice texts for listening. Um, people have been really great about supporting this. Um, I heard a lot of really great feedback on the Kerry Kenny Silver episode from uh, a week ago. Um, she was great. I got some more guys from the state coming on. I hope you guys are enjoying this solo and uh, podcast with guests on and I'm going to keep doing more of them. If you have any ideas for guests, email me podcast at nicknicknick.com. You want to get involved in real estate, you want to talk business, nick at nicknicknick.com or just check me out on my website, message me on social media at Nick Lamagna Invest. And uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Please leave a review. And uh, I hope everybody is having a great day. Thank you so much for listening. It's the A-Game Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed Marlon Suarez. Marlon's a stud. Marlon, thank you very much for doing that episode. We got to do a part two. It was great talking to you and catch it up with you again. And uh, I love the fact that he is absolutely crushing it on and off the mats. Was always a great mentor to me. Was always a really great guy. We stayed in touch over the years. And um, I love surrounding myself with people like that. So, all right. A Game Podcast. Take it easy. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world, and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson.